1 Corinthians chapter 10 Friends, I want to remind you that all our ancestors walked under the cloud and went through the sea. This was like being baptised and becoming followers of Moses. All of them also ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink which flowed from the spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. But most of them did not please God, so they died, and their bodies were scattered all over the desert. What happened to them is a warning to keep us from wanting to do the same evil things. They worshipped idols. Just as the scriptures say, The people sat down to eat and drink. Then they got up to dance around. So don't worship idols. Some of those people did shameful things, and in a single day about 23,000 of them died. Don't do shameful things as they did. And don't try to test Christ, as some of them did and were later bitten by poisonous snakes. Don't even grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as a warning to us. All this was written in the Scriptures to teach us who live in these last days. Even if you think you can stand up to temptation, be careful not to fall. You're tempted in the same way that everyone else is tempted. But God can be trusted not to let you be tempted too much, and he will show you how to escape from your temptations. My friends, you must keep away from idols. I'm speaking to you as people who have enough sense to know what I'm talking about. When we drink from the cup that we ask God to bless, isn't that sharing in the blood of Christ? When we eat the bread that we break, isn't that sharing in the body of Christ? By sharing in the same loaf of bread, we become one body, even though there are many of us. Aren't the people of Israel sharing in the worship when they gather around the altar and eat the sacrifices offered there? Am I saying that either the idols or the food sacrificed to them is anything at all? No, I'm not. That food is really sacrificed to demons and not to God. I don't want you to have anything to do with demons. You cannot drink from the cup of demons and still drink from the Lord's cup. You cannot eat at the table of demons and still eat at the Lord's table. We would make the Lord jealous if we did that. And we are not stronger than the Lord. Some of you say, we can do whatever we want to, but I tell you that not everything may be good or helpful. We should think about others and not about ourselves. However, when you buy meat in the market, go ahead and eat it. Keep your conscience clear by not asking where the meat came from. The scriptures say, The earth and everything in it belong to the Lord. If an unbeliever invites you to dinner and you want to go, then go. Eat whatever you are served. Don't cause a problem for someone's conscience by asking where the food came from. But if you are told that it has been sacrificed to idols, don't cause a problem by eating it. I don't mean a problem for yourself, but for the one who told you. Why should my freedom be limited by someone else's conscience? If I give thanks for what I eat, why should anyone accuse me of doing wrong? When you eat or drink or do anything else, always do it to honour God. Don't cause problems for Jews or Greeks or anyone else who belongs to God's church. 
I always try to please others instead of myself, in the hope that many of them will be saved. One Corinthians, chapter eleven. You must follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I'm proud of you, because you always remember me and obey the teachings I gave you. Now I want you to know that Christ is the head over all men, and a man is the head over a woman. But God is the head over Christ. This means that any man who prays or prophesies with something on his head. Brings shame to his head. But any woman who prays or prophesies without something on her head brings shame to her head. In fact, she may as well shave her head. A woman should wear something on her head. It is a disgrace for a woman to shave her head or cut her hair. But if she refuses to wear something on her head, let her cut off her hair. Men were created to be like God, and to bring honor to God. This means that a man should not wear anything on his head. Women were created to bring honor to men. It was the woman who was made from a man, and not the man who was made from a woman. He wasn't created for her; she was created for him. And so, because of this, and also because of the angels, a woman ought to wear something on her head as a sign of her authority. As far as the Lord is concerned, men and women need each other. It's true that the first woman came from a man, but all other men have been given birth by women. Yet God is the one who created everything. Ask yourselves if it is proper for a woman to pray without something on her head. Isn't it unnatural and disgraceful for men to have long hair? But long hair is a beautiful way for a woman to cover her head. This is how things are done in all God's churches, and that's why none of you should argue about what I have said. Your worship services do you more harm than good. I'm certainly not going to praise you for this. I am told that you can't get along with each other when you worship, and I'm sure that some of what I've heard is true. You're bound to argue with each other, but it's easy to see which of you have God's approval. When you meet together, you don't really celebrate the Lord's Supper. You even start eating before everyone gets to the meeting, and some of you go hungry, while others get drunk. Don't you have homes where you can eat and drink? Do you hate God's church? Do you want to embarrass people who don't have anything? What can I say to you? I certainly cannot praise you. I have already told you what the Lord Jesus did on the night he was betrayed, and it came from the Lord Himself. He took some bread in his hands. Then, after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, "This is my body, which is given for you. Eat this, and remember me." After the meal, Jesus took a cup of wine in his hands and said, "This is my blood, and with it God makes His new agreement with you. Drink this, and remember me." The Lord meant that when you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you tell about His death until He comes. But if you eat the bread and drink the wine in a way that isn't worthy of the Lord, you sin against His body and blood. That's why you must examine the way you eat and drink. If you fail to understand that you are the body of the Lord, you will condemn yourselves by the way you eat and drink. 
That's why many of you are sick and weak, and why a lot of others have died. If we carefully judge ourselves, we won't be punished. But when the Lord judges and punishes us, he does it to keep us from being condemned with the rest of the world. My dear friends, you should wait until everyone gets there before you start eating. If you are really hungry, you can eat at home. Then you won't condemn yourselves when you meet together. After I arrive, I will instruct you about the other matters. One Corinthians, chapter twelve. My friends, you asked me about spiritual gifts. I want you to remember that before you became followers of the Lord, you were led in all the wrong ways by idols that cannot even talk. Now I want you to know that if you are led by God's Spirit, you will say that Jesus is Lord, and you will never curse Jesus. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts. But they all come from the same spirit. There are different ways to serve the same Lord, and we can each do different things. Yet the same God works in all of us and helps us in everything we do. The Spirit has given each of us a special way of serving others. Some of us can speak with wisdom, while others can speak with knowledge. But these gifts come from the same Spirit. To others, the Spirit has given great faith. Or the power to heal the sick, or the power to perform mighty miracles. Some of us are prophets, and some of us recognize when God's spirit is present. Others can speak different kinds of languages, and still others can tell what these languages mean. But it is the spirit who does all this and decides which gifts to give to each of us. The body of Christ has many different parts, just as any other body does. Some of us are Jews, and others are Gentiles. Some of us are slaves, and others are free. But God's Spirit baptized each of us and made us part of the body of Christ. Now we each drink from that same Spirit. Our bodies don't just have one part; they have many parts. Suppose a foot says, "I'm not a hand." And so I'm not part of the body. Wouldn't the foot still belong to the body? Or suppose an ear says I'm not an eye, and so I'm not part of the body. Wouldn't the ear still belong to the body? If our bodies were only an eye, we couldn't hear a thing, and if they were only an ear, we couldn't smell a thing. But God has put all parts of our body together in the way that He decided is best. A body isn't really a body unless there is more than one part. It takes many parts to make a single body. That's why the eyes cannot say they don't need the hands. That's also why the head cannot say it doesn't need the feet. In fact, we cannot get along without the parts of the body that seem to be the weakest. We take special care to dress up some parts of our bodies. We are modest about our personal parts, but we don't have to be modest about other parts. God put our bodies together in such a way that even the parts that seem the least important are valuable. He did this to make all parts of the body work together smoothly, with each part caring about the others. If one part of our body hurts, we hurt all over. If one part of our body is honoured, the whole body will be happy. Together, you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of His body. First, God chose some people to be apostles, and prophets, 
and teachers for the church. But he also chose some to perform miracles, or heal the sick, or help others, or be leaders, or speak different kinds of languages. Not everyone is an apostle. Not everyone is a prophet. Not everyone is a teacher. Not everyone can perform miracles. Not everyone can heal the sick. Not everyone can speak different kinds of languages. Not everyone can tell what these languages mean. I want you to desire the best gifts. So I will show you a much better way. One Corinthians, chapter thirteen. What if I could speak all languages of humans and of angels? If I did not love others, I would be nothing more than a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. What if I could prophesy and understand all secrets and all knowledge? And what if I had faith that moved mountains? I would be nothing unless I loved others. What if I gave away all that I owned? And let myself be burnt alive. I would gain nothing unless I loved others. Love is kind, and patient, never jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. Love isn't selfish or quick-tempered. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs that others do. Love rejoices in the truth, but not in evil. Love is always supportive, loyal, hopeful. And trusting, love never fails. Everyone who prophesies will stop, and unknown languages will no longer be spoken. All that we know will be forgotten. We don't know everything, and our prophecies are not complete. But what is perfect will some day appear, and what isn't perfect will then disappear. When we were children, we thought and reasoned as children do, but when we grew up. We stopped our childish ways. Now all we can see of God is like a cloudy picture in a mirror. Later, we will see Him face to face. We don't know everything, but then we will. Just as God completely understands us. For now, there are faith, hope, and love. But of these three, the greatest. Is love. One Corinthians, chapter fourteen. Love should be your guide. Be eager to have the gifts that come from the Holy Spirit, especially the gift of prophecy. If you speak languages that others don't know, God will understand what you're saying, though no one else will know what you mean. You will be talking about mysteries that only the Spirit understands, but when you prophesy, you will be understood, and others will be helped. They will be encouraged and made to feel better. By speaking languages that others don't know, you help only yourself, but by prophesying, you help everyone in the church. I am glad for you to speak unknown languages, although I would rather you prophesied. In fact. Prophesying does much more good than speaking unknown languages, unless someone can help the church by explaining what you mean. My friends, what good would it do if I came and spoke unknown languages to you and didn't explain what I meant? How would I help you unless I told you what God had shown me, or gave you some knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If all musical instruments sounded alike, how would you know the difference between a flute and a harp?
if a bugle call isn't clear, how would you know to get ready for battle? That's how it is when you speak unknown languages. If no one can understand what you're talking about, you will only be talking to the wind. There are many different languages in this world, and all of them make sense. But if I don't understand the language that someone is using, we will be like foreigners to each other. If you really want spiritual gifts, choose the ones that will be most helpful to the church. When we speak languages that others don't know, we should pray for the power to explain what we mean. For example, if I use an unknown language in my prayers, my spirit prays, but my mind is useless. Then what should I do? There are times when I should pray with my spirit, and times when I should pray with my mind. Sometimes I should sing with my spirit, and at other times I should sing with my mind. Suppose some strangers are in your worship service when you are praising God with your spirit. If they don't understand you, how will they know to say Amen? You may be worshiping God in a wonderful way, but no one else will be helped. I thank God that I speak unknown languages more than any of you, but words that make sense can help the church. That's why in church I had rather speak five words that make sense than to speak ten thousand words in a language that others don't know. My friends, stop thinking like children, think like mature people, and be as innocent as tiny babies. In the scriptures, the Lord says, "I will use strangers who speak unknown languages to talk to my people. They will speak to them in foreign languages, but still my people won't listen to me." Languages that others don't know may mean something to unbelievers, but not to the Lord's followers. Prophecy, on the other hand, is for followers, not for unbelievers. Suppose everyone in your worship service started speaking unknown languages, and some outsiders or some unbelievers come in. Won't they think you are mad? But suppose all of you are prophesying when those unbelievers and outsiders come in. They will realize that they are sinners, and they will want to change their ways because of what you are saying. They will tell what is hidden in their hearts. Then they will kneel down and say to God, "We are certain that you are with these people." My friends, when you meet to worship, you must do everything for the good of everyone there. That's how it should be when someone sings, or teaches, or tells what God has said, or speaks an unknown language, or explains what the language means. No more than two or three of you should speak unknown languages during the meeting. You must take turns, and someone should always be there to explain what you mean. If no one can explain. You must keep silent in church and speak only to yourself and to God. Two or three persons may prophesy, and everyone else must listen carefully. If someone sitting there receives a message from God, the speaker must stop, and let the other person speak. Let only one person speak at a time. Then all of you will learn something and be encouraged. A prophet should be willing to stop and let someone else speak. God wants everything to be done peacefully and in order. When God's people meet in church, the women must not be allowed to speak; they must keep quiet and listen as the law of Moses teaches. If there's something they want to know, they can ask their husbands when they get home. It is disgraceful for women to speak in church. God's message did not start with you people, and you're not the only ones it has reached. If you think of yourself as a prophet or a spiritual person, you will know that I am writing only what the Lord has commanded. 
so don't pay attention to anyone who ignores what I am writing. My friends, be eager to prophesy. And don't stop anyone from speaking languages that others don't know, but do everything properly and in order. One Corinthians, chapter fifteen. My friends, I want you to remember the message that I preached and that you believed and trusted. You will be saved by this message if you hold firmly to it. But if you don't, your faith was all for nothing. I told you the most important part of the message exactly as it was told to me. That part is, Christ died for our sins, as the scriptures say. He was buried. And three days later, he was raised to life, as the scriptures say. Christ appeared to Peter, then to the twelve. After this, he appeared to more than five hundred other followers. Most of them are still alive, but some have died. He also appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. Finally, he appeared to me, even though I am like someone who was born at the wrong time. I am the least important of all the apostles. In fact, I caused so much trouble for God's church that I don't even deserve to be called an apostle. But God was kind; He made me what I am, and His wonderful kindness wasn't wasted. I worked much harder than any of the other apostles, although it was really God's kindness at work and not me. But it doesn't matter if I preached or if they preached; all of you believed the message just the same. If we preach that Christ was raised from death, how can some of you say that the dead will not be raised to life? If they won't be raised to life, Christ Himself wasn't raised to life, and if Christ wasn't raised to life, our message is worthless, and so is your faith. If the dead won't be raised to life, we've told lies about God by saying that He raised Christ to life when He really did not. So, if the dead won't be raised to life, Christ wasn't raised to life. Unless Christ was raised to life, your faith is useless, and you are still living in your sins. And those people who died after putting their faith in Him are completely lost. If our hope in Christ is good only for this life, we are worse off than anyone else. But Christ has been raised to life, and He makes us certain that others will also be raised to life. Just as we will die because of Adam, we will be raised to life because of Christ. Adam brought death to all of us, and Christ will bring life to all of us. But we must each wait our turn. Christ was the first to be raised to life, and His people will be raised to life when He returns. Then, after Christ has destroyed all powers and forces, the end will come, and He will give the kingdom to God the Father. Christ will rule. Until he puts all his enemies under his power, and the last enemy he destroys will be death. When the scriptures say that he will put everything under his power, they don't include God. It was God who put everything under the power of Christ. After everything is under the power of God's Son, he will put himself under the power of God, who put everything under his Son's power. Then God will mean everything to everyone. If the dead are not going to be raised to life, what will people do who are being baptized for them? Why are they being baptized for those dead people? And why do we always risk our lives and face death every day? The pride that I have in you, because of Christ Jesus our Lord, 
is what makes me say this. What do you think I gained by fighting wild animals in Ephesus? If the dead are not raised to life, let's eat and drink. Tomorrow we die. Don't fool yourselves. Bad friends will destroy you. Be sensible and stop sinning. You should be embarrassed that some people still don't know about God. Some of you have asked, how will the dead be raised to life? What kind of bodies will they have? Don't be foolish. A seed must die before it can sprout from the ground. Wheat seeds and all other seeds look different from the sprouts that come up. This is because God gives everything the kind of body he wants it to have. People, animals, birds and fish are each made of flesh, but none of them are alike. Everything in the heavens has a body, and so does everything on earth. But each one is very different from all the others. The sun isn't like the moon. The moon isn't like the stars, and each star is different. That's how it will be when our bodies are raised to life. These bodies will die, but the bodies that are raised will live forever. These ugly and weak bodies will become beautiful and strong. As there are physical bodies, there are spiritual bodies, and our physical bodies will be changed into spiritual bodies. The first man was named Adam, and the scriptures tell us that he was a living person. But Jesus who may be called the last Adam, is a life-giving spirit. We see that the one with a spiritual body did not come first. He came after the one who had a physical body. The first man was made from the dust of the earth, but the second man came from heaven. Everyone on earth has a body like the body of the one who was made from the dust of the earth. And everyone in heaven has a body like the body of the one who came from heaven. Just as we are like the one who was made out of earth, we will be like the one who came from heaven. My friends, I want you to know that our bodies of flesh and blood will decay. This means that they cannot share in God's kingdom which lasts forever. I will explain a mystery to you. Not every one of us will die, but we will all be changed. It will happen suddenly, quicker than the blink of an eye. At the sound of the last trumpet, the dead will be raised. We will all be changed, so that we will never die again. Our dead and decaying bodies will be changed into bodies that won't die or decay. The bodies we now have are weak and can die, but they will be changed into bodies that are eternal. Then the scriptures will come true. Death has lost the battle. Where is its victory? Where is its sting? Sin is what gives death its sting, and the law is the power behind sin. But thank God for letting our Lord Jesus Christ give us the victory. My dear friends, stand firm and don't be shaken. Always keep busy working for the Lord. You know that everything you do for him is worthwhile. One Corinthians chapter sixteen. When you collect money for God's people, I want you to do exactly what I told the churches in Galatia to do. That is, each Sunday, each of you must put aside part of what you've earned. If you do this, you won't have to take up a collection when I come. Choose some followers to take the money to Jerusalem. 
I will send them on with the money and with letters which show that you approve of them. If you think I should go along, they can go with me. After I've gone through Macedonia, I hope to see you and stay with you for a while. I may even stay all winter, so that you can help me on my way to wherever I will be going next. If the Lord lets me, I would rather come later for a longer visit than to stop off now for only a short visit. I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, because there is a wonderful opportunity for me to do some work here. But there are also many people who are against me. When Timothy arrives, give him a friendly welcome. He is doing the Lord's work just as I am. Don't let anyone ill-treat him. I'm looking for him to return to me together with the other followers, so when he leaves, send him off with your blessings. I've tried hard to get our friend Apollos to visit you with the other followers. He doesn't want to come just now, but he will come when he can. Keep alert. Be firm in your faith. Stay brave and strong. Show love in everything you do. You know that Stephanus and his family were the first in Achaia to have faith in the Lord. They have done all they can for God's people. My friends, I ask you to obey leaders like them and to do the same for all others who work hard with you. I was glad to see Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus. Having them here was like having you. They made me feel much better, just as they made you feel better. You should appreciate people like them. Greetings from the churches in Asia. Aquila and Priscilla, together with the church that meets in their house, send greetings in the name of the Lord. All the Lord's followers send their greetings. Give each other a warm greeting. I'm signing this letter myself, Paul. I pray that God will put a curse on everyone who doesn't love the Lord. And may the Lord come soon. I pray that the Lord Jesus will be kind to you. I love everyone who belongs to Christ Jesus.